This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, man. Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today, actually, tonight is August 9th, 2018. I am Patrick Moran. And if you can't hear it in the sound already, tonight is different. It's very different. This is a Moranalytics podcast first. Instead of the, my home studio, you know, the one that's usually being taped either in my house in Florida or someone's house here in Buffalo, I'm actually taping this podcast tonight at the Amherst Pizza and Ale House in Amherst. First time I've done something like this on this podcast. It's only taken 45 episodes to do it. With me, I got my Pat with Pucks co-partner, Tone Pucks. He's in the house with me. It's our first time hooking up in person instead of Skype. Finally got out of mom's basement. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. This is uh, a pretty good setting for this first on-site podcast. Sitting here across from you, uh, you know, brings me brings me back. Although the... the uh, the chin is new, man. I'm just kind of admiring your double chin right now. These wings are, <laughs> these wings are doing you, doing you justice. Yeah, man. They're not all do- the way around. They're not doing me a lot of favors. Ooh. Let's keep that shit real. All right, but so real quick here, let me set the scene. Like I said, we're taping tonight from Amherst Ale House, and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna shoot the shit for a couple minutes, but then we're gonna take a pause. We're gonna mow down some of these wings. That's why we are here, and we're gonna watch the Bills Panthers preseason opener. And then immediately after that, as soon as the game's over, me and you are going to reconvene, and we're going to break down this game and discuss our takeaways from it so that we're clear. When I say we're taking a pause, for the people listening, that means like a 20-second pause. I'm not even going to bother with any commercial or anything. I'll let you know when. Maybe we'll play your corny theme music or something like that, and then we'll just roll into the post game. So that's all we're going to do with today. You mentioned it before, man. My chicken wing binge has just been completely out of control. And I'm completely all right with that. I've been to, I'm going to keep counting here, 13 new spots on this trip back to Buffalo. 13 spots in 21 days. Places that I've never eaten before, or at least I should say chicken wings. And, and dude, I lived in Buffalo for 45 years, so I'm trying to make up for it in a, about a couple weeks. Dude, they're, they're just a solid food. And, and while some might find your... 13 uh, stops for wings here in such a short period of time to be excessive. I personally am envious of it and appreciative to uh, to be the wingman tonight uh, on this on this new tester. So, you know, props to the Amherst uh, Pizza and Ale House. Um, yeah, I used to work right over there, and it's a good thing too that they they fired me before this place was fully up and running because. 
I probably wouldn't be allowed back in uh, if I was still working <laughs> over there around that time in my life. So we're doing someone else with someone else here. Where do chicken wings fall on your power rankings of things that you like to eat when you go out? When you go out somewhere to eat, whether you're by yourself with one of your boys, with your girlfriend, whatever, where do chicken wings rank on your power rankings? Oh, they're huge, man. They're, they're, you know, they're top five. I actually, while not a, a power ranking per se, I, I like to do a little like if I was stuck on a desert island for the rest of my life and I could only have like one food and one sweet, what would it be? And uh, that answer has not changed in years for me. That answer's always been a royal sub, sausage and capicol, and Reese's cups, chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> All right, I mean that is that. It, those are the one-two foods in my general uh, food power ranking. But I, I, I got to think wings, you know, crashes into the top five pretty hard, man. Um, you know, call it a buffalo thing, call it call it whatever you want. I can dog them. You know, I, to me, 10 wings, you know, just does no justice. It's got to be a double at the, at the very least for me. And I, I just, I usually don't know when to stop. They're a good food coma kind of food. Is this your first time eating chicken wings since having them with me at Sunny Reds a couple weeks ago? No. No? no. Where else did you have them? No, I, uh, I actually, I, I was looking because I was so pissed off at everybody's opinions of, uh, of Anchor Bar that... Um, one night with my with my youngest son, I was looking to take him to Anchor Bar before we headed home, um, but they were closing, so I took him to Gabriel's Gate, and I had some Gabriel's Gate wings. They're, Solid. they're, they're killer, yeah, man. Um, me and uh, me and Jay went there a couple years ago. A friend of ours, you know, I, I can't remember where they are on your list, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure they're top ten. They're it's a money spot right there, at Gabriel's Gate. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have some wings after we tape this segment right here. We'll have some wings here at Amherst Hill House, and then uh, we'll talk about them briefly after. Because like I said, it's been a growing thing on my blog and my podcast. I've been talking about wings. I don't know why. It wasn't my intention. But for whatever reason, it's just something that really picks up, and people care about it. It's just maybe it's something that in Buffalo, you know, people can relate to because, you know, in sports, not everyone plays or cares about sports. But it seems like if you're from Buffalo, everyone has had chicken wings somewhere. So everyone's got an opinion on where they think they're good. And where they think they're not. And me and you had a discussion, uh, what was it, last week about Duff's and Anchor Bar. How people, especially from Buffalo, they really like to drop the hammer on them. Especially Anchor Bar. And we both had the same take that we both think Anchor Bar, while maybe not a top five or maybe not even top ten place, that they're pretty goddamn good, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not going to revisit that whole scene from... Uh from last week with uh, people dogging the uh, the bigger spots and whatnot, but um, I think Chris Baker, man, Chris Baker, who is so good on so many different levels, he often comments on the uh, on the wing debates that they're just so many damn good places here in, in yeah. Buffalo, and that's uh, you know that's that's good that's good for us, man. Let's uh, let's see if we can get more places to host this. Uh, post this little party yeah this is fun and i'm looking forward to eating but you know what more than that i'm looking forward to the bills game tonight at the end of the day that's why we're really here and like i told people before we get into that we're going to pause this briefly when we eat and watch the game but on this episode not a future run we will be right back to discuss that game going into it what are a couple things that you're really looking forward to seeing well the first thing i gotta do is i gotta retweet my uh my tweet from earlier this week that said 
Nate Peterman was going to uh, was going to start this game, and then I'll put like the, the the eyes emoji up there as well, so that maybe one person can like it. Yeah, I got to give you that, man. You have been calling him for months they now. Gonna, they, they weren't going to change. All right, Peterman was the guy taking the first reps in training camp, and that's usually the guy who's starting the first game. And the fact that they kept it quiet, all right, um, should have told you even more that it was Peterman because you're you, you look at Twitter right now it's about uh, quarter to seven it became public maybe about uh, an hour ago um, and people are going going nuts over it yeah, they, they they literally are, are getting all cranky over Nate Peterman starting a preseason game so now you have a, the why as to McDermott keeping it you know uh, you know keep playing it close to the vest with announcing it because he didn't want to sit there and let this kid get pounded on social media and probably in, in, in the regular media, you know, for getting this start. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous, but it was what was going to happen. McDermott probably knew it was what's going to happen. So, you know, he kept a closed lid until about an hour before the game. Now the kid can go out and let his play do the talking. I think it's gonna, and I'm still standing by the fact that he's under center for the Bills against the Ravens in week one. Now, see, I don't agree with that whatsoever. However, I do like your line of thinking about why he waited so long to announce him. A lot of fans would have shit on it. You know, ones who don't like it, and probably the media as well. So it makes sense in that regards that by waiting to the last minute, he didn't have to sit there and get pounded, like you said. I do completely agree in that regards. I don't know how much this game's going to tell us, but it does. I mean, you got to admit, whether you're a Peterman guy or or a McCarron guy or even a Josh Allen guy right now, it does say something that Peterman's getting that first turn with the ones in their first game, their first look. They're a loyal group, all right? They're a loyal group. They are. They, They liked how he responded to that debacle in San Diego last year. Um... And quite frankly, he's had some good days, and, and and they've come they've come recently. And as excited as people are to see Allen play, and whether it's with the threes or whatever, I'm the shit. I'm glad it's with the threes because it keeps this terrible game, uh, you know, interesting for four quarters instead of one or two. Um, but no matter how bad people want to see how Allen performs, me personally, I still am looking at the 2018 season that's in front of us, and I don't think. You know, Josh Allen's going to be a, a big part of it in the in the first half. So I'm interested in McCarron and Peterman because I think it's between those two, and I want to have a football season this year. Um, so you know, count me in the in the minority of the the, the quarterback storyline that's of more interest to me tonight. All right, is who's vying to uh, to start this season um, more so than how. Uh, Allen's going to look with the threes. They're going to baby the hell out of him, you know, every chance they get. And no matter how successful he is or how unsuccessful he is, um, I don't think they're, they're going to change much in terms of, you know, what they were going to do with him going in. It wasn't going to start the season. I'm really looking forward personally to seeing how the offensive line looks. Granted, preseason opener, probably not going to see that much of the starters. But I want to see, first of all, the center battle between Groy and Bodine. Well, Bodine's getting the start. I think that's the one camp battle. It's actually it's actually Groy. Is he starting? Groy's getting the start, that's yeah. The, that's the one legitimate battle I think that's going on right now in camp for a starting spot. So I'm really interested in that. I'm interested in seeing how Miller looks because I've heard a lot. You know, I thought he was garbage two year, or last year. Pretty good as a rookie. I want to see if he can bounce back. 
So I'm interested in seeing that. And I've been telling you this. I really like Wyatt Teller. So I'm interested in seeing him get in and what he could do. I want to see what that offensive line rotation is going to be. And again, they're not probably not going to play too much to starters. But I'm interested in that type of rotation for sure. Anything else you got tonight before we get going? Nah, man, I'm good, man. I'm ready to just ready to roll. There's a countdown up here on the TV. Oh, no, wait a minute. I thought that was a game countdown. It appears to be Harrison Phillips doing a Rubik's Cube. That is riveting. It really is. I don't know. If, if I nailed that being Harrison Phillips, though, I'd be pretty impressed. He doesn't really look to be someone who should be doing a speed Rubik's to Cube right now. I, I don't feel as though he's really that close to solving it. Speaking of impressed, dude, this is a pretty impressive place here at Amherst Ale House. And I'm not getting paid. I'm not plugging them. There's no owners sitting behind us. This is just us two out here in a patio. It's about 15, 20 people at least out here. No one's bothering us. I also think that no one cares about us. <laughs> no, it is. It's 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 actually, I, I was kind of worried that, like, you know, it would be, uh, you know, kind of tough to do with, with, you know, people looking and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't think anybody gives a, a shit at all, <laughs> which is excellent. <laughs> it really is excellent. All right, so listen, man. Oh, one more thing, too, about this game. I'm actually, because of their opponent, going to pay attention to the other team. They're playing Carolina, and the Bills are not above signing guys from Carolina who get cut or making trades from guys from Carolina. Dude, there might be a couple players on Carolina that end up on the Bills before this is all said and done. Yeah, it's a good point, but I have no interest in that. So you go ahead and do that and let me know how it works out for you. Let's eat some wings, man. Come on. All right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a pause here. We're going to eat some wings. We're going to watch the game. Again, no commercial. I'll tell you what, we're going to, like I said, we're going to play your corny intro music right now, and then we'll come right back into some post-game thoughts. Pat with us. The victor belongs to sports. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass? The customer is usually a moron and an asshole. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but then... All right, we're back, live from the Amherst Hale House. We're filled up with wings, filled up with preseason football. The Bills lost their preseason opener. 28-23 28-23 to Carolina in a game where, you know, obviously the score doesn't mean anything. We're going to hit on the wings that we had tonight. They were good. We're going to hit on that at the end of this segment. We'll talk about our experience here and stuff. But you know what? First, let's spend some time talking about this Bills opener. I got a tweet from my buddy. Or actually, I didn't even get a tweet directly from him. It was on Twitter, though. My buddy Mike, he said this. He goes, there's a small corner of Bills fans who will hate any success that Peterman has. And, buddy, I'm here for it. I know you're a Peterman guy. You've been a Peterman guy for quite a while. He came out tonight. He started the game, and he looked good. What were your thoughts on him tonight? Uh, Let me just wait for this motorcycle to go by here. Live, baby. We're live. 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 Um, I thought he was terrific. I I do put the interception on him. Um, You know, I was a little behind the receiver, and when you're working in close quarters – uh, like he was on that throw, and he probably put a little more on it than he uh, than he should have from that distance. And um, you know, like I said, when, when you're throwing in the traffic areas like that, uh, especially on a checkdown, which that appeared to be, um, you know, you got to be on the money, or that thing's going to carry him uh, most likely into a defender's hand, and that's what happened. Take that play away, 
and Peterman was terrific. And I think it's very similar to the sort of preseason that he had last year with, uh, you know, good anticipatory uh, throws. Just, you know, seems to have a real good feel for, you know, what the, um, what the play is designed to do. And the accuracy was there tonight as well. For me, man, you know, the San Diego game is just one that I'm able to remove from the equation. And when I do, I see a very, very capable NFL quarterback. Yeah, I mean, listen, the first drive tonight, he was sensational. He went seven for seven on the drive, threw for 75 yards, including the 28-yard pass uh, for a touchdown. Perfect pass, by the way, to Kelvin Benjamin, who had a good night of his own. I don't know that it did anything to really separate himself from A.J. McCarron or Josh Allen. I feel like the plan going into this game is probably still the plan, but if nothing else, well, however McDermott felt about him going into tonight, I think like he's got to feel more confident than he did before the game started. Because at least, listen, it was one game against a very vanilla defense, you know, but he certainly looked a part of an NFL starter tonight, and I don't think you can deny that. Well, you know, you know, you're not going to get any denials out of me. Um, and and just to to piggyback on the Benjamin point, he seems to really have a chemistry with Calvin Benjamin. You know, last year, uh, the the first play of the San Diego game was a real nice uh, seam throw uh, to Calvin, and it was, you know, he takes advantage of the big body. He puts it in those places, you know, where where Benjamin can protect the ball from. Uh, from smaller defenders and you know it's it's not just the game by Peterman it's not just the game by Benjamin it's it's the game that they that they had together Um, and I think we'll see if McCarron has the same sort of chemistry with him next week because I think like you said the plan will remain the plan Um, and and my guess is the plan was to put McCarron in and the one thing that, that I will say though is that at the end of the first quarter, I felt like Peterman had actually done something to begin to separate from McCarron. I thought it was a, a, a good enough um, outing by him where McCarron had to come out and 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 have a decent one as well, and he did that and maybe more. Um, so you know, Peterman could have got some separation based upon his performance today if McCarron didn't. Um, you know, if McCarron didn't see some success in the second quarter, but he did, and he did it with the two. So, you know, we're no further than we were, but surprisingly, that seems to be because they both played well, not they both played average to below average. Yeah, like exactly. I think they definitely exceeded most people's expectations tonight for sure. And in McCarron's case, like you said, he came in and I thought he did a great job. May have felt some pressure because Peterman did play well, and I remember that one play in particular, he, I, he could have took a dump-off pass. Murphy broke open in the middle of the field for like five, six yards. That's the kind of throw that Tyrod Taylor makes all the time. But he stayed patient on the play. And then like a split second later, Brandon Riley broke open going down the sideline. And he hit him for what would be a 59-yard gain. Between the two quarterbacks, they had 257 yards in the first half passing. Great numbers, obviously. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, you kind of confirmed this already, but... Do you think for sure that McDermott is going to go to McCarron as the, with the ones to start uh, preseason game number two, which is what? At Cleveland, I believe, next Friday? Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, man. I mean, um, I am 
you know, if I'm betting on that one, um, you know, I think it's a 90% chance or better that, uh, you know, that McCarron gets to start next week and gets to play with the ones. If you're Nate Peterman, how do you feel about that? You go out, you play well, you go seven for seven on your first drive. Yeah, he has one pass that he would like to have back, which to be fair, I mean, it was behind Ivory, but Ivory still could have made a player caught the ball. But the interception, I agree with you. Well, let's put that on Peterman. But that one pass aside, the guy goes out there, he starts with the ones, he does nothing to show that he shouldn't be with the ones on this team right now. And then he's got to go in the next week, potentially, assuming that we're both right here with A.J. McCarron getting the start. Going as a backup, as the number two. If you're if you're Nate Peterman, how are you handling this if that happens? Like an absolute professional, which is why this this group loves him, I think. You know, this guy knows damn well that there are a lot of you know, not the fans already did. All right. The fans already wrote him off. There's also a lot of coaches, um, and I guess I should throw media into that. The fans and a lot of media wrote this wrote him off. Um, and these guys stuck with him when a lot of other um, regimes, you know, would not have. And um, and he's going to reward them with true professionalism because Nate Peterman is a, is a professional, man. He is a professional NFL quarterback. The only question left now will be, will he have a career as a two or will he have a career as a one? He's going to have a career in this league. He's going to handle next week like a pro, all right? And... Um, and you haven't heard the last of the guy. I'm going to circle back to that statement in a minute because first I want to talk about Josh Allen. All right, that's the most anticipated quarterback for very obvious reasons. He sits out the first half. He comes in at the start of the third quarter. And on his very first pass, first play of his career, he unleashes a missile down his left sideline for Foster, which, I mean, it went two or three yards out of bounds. It was complete, but it wasn't even close to being inbounds. I don't care about the pass. I don't care if it was overthrown or underthrown. To me, it just felt like a message, you know, that he's a different type of quarterback just to unleash that arm on his first play. And, and obviously the crowd loved it as well. It just felt different to me. Like this was a message. I don't know if it was subliminal or if it was an outgoing message, but it was definitely some type of message to me that the guy's coming out. He's not checking it down. He's not handing the ball off. He's coming out slinging. This guy's a gunslinger. And on the first play of his career, he's going to sling the ball down the field. You know, I, I think that between McDermott and, and Dayball, um, you know, they just they wanted to do it for the kid. They wanted to do it for the fans. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, I, I think back to the Kyle Williams touchdown um, last year against Miami. You know, as conservative a guy as McDermott comes across as being, um, you know, he, he doesn't seem like someone who – who's going to get wrapped up in, in, in the moment or, you know, do something simply for the sake of the fans or something like that. But, you know, the, the players seem to love him, and he, he seems like a guy who, who rewards them um, with, you know, the things that, that, that make it fun, man, like a Kyle Williams touchdown or the brand-new toy, all right, showing off what he's, um, you know, what you brought him in for. So, you know, to me, that's 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 McDermott kind of showing, um, you know, his side of of uh, of coaching, a fun side um, to him that uh, doesn't always come across. Certainly, in the way he talks, and maybe with some of his fourth down decisions and stuff like that, I, I think he's a little bit more aggressive than people give him credit for. That play aside, Josh Allen, I think, had the type of debut that pretty much we expected him to have. Very up and down. Showed off a great arm, made a couple great throws, made a couple great plays with his legs. 
And he made a couple of terrible throws and decisions as well. The touchdown pass. Well, who's the t- who caught that? Well, it was Ray Ray, right? McLeod? So, yeah. yeah, it was Ray Ray McLeod. What a beautiful pass that was. Like I said, he showed glimpses of why he's the seventh pick of the draft, why the Bills traded up. But he also showed glimpses of why he's the number three quarterback. And I think he's pretty entrenched right now into that three spot. I don't think it's a three-way battle for a starting job anymore. I think it's clearly a two-way battle right now, as long as all three stay healthy. How would you assess Josh Allen tonight? Uh, exactly like you did. You know, I, I don't have much more to, to offer in that regard, but I, I'll say this. If the Bills wanted to prepare Josh Allen to be the number two quarterback this year, like let's say they went a different route. Let's say there was there was no Peterman. Say they were in the same boat as as a team like the Cardinals that went out and got uh, that went out and got Rosen. Say the Bills sat there with Bradford, but they had to prepare Allen to be their number two. All right, they're going to do it in a, in a in a way far different from what they let him go out and do today. They're they're going to do it in a way where uh, you know they reel him in a little bit in the preseason. They got to prepare him. All right. Um, to to play football in in an emergency case. The difference with with what the Bills have done by going out and getting two veteran guys, um, allowing him to develop the way he is, is they basically let Josh Allen go out there and say, you know what, kid, just do whatever the fuck you want to do tonight. Yeah. All right? And, and, And that's what they did. And, and that's what they did. They'll reel them in, okay? That's not what Josh Allen is going to look like when the bullets start flying for real, whether it be this year, next, or whatever, all right? He'll never have as much freedom as he did tonight. But tonight, they said, just go out there, all right, and, and ball. And they let him do that, and now they see, or he sees, you know, some of the things that he can do uh, on a National Football League field. How do you think you handle it when you have a guy like him who... You know, whether you're criticizing him or defending him for that matter, you're saying, okay, well, he did this, but he did it with the threes. Or, you know, he was under pressure all night and no one was open because he had to play with the threes. You know what I mean? It's kind of a double-edged sword. So you want to get him a look and you want him to play with at least the twos, if not the ones. But if you do that, it comes at the expense of Peterman and McCarron, one of them two who are locked in a battle right now, at least it seems anyway, they're locked in a legitimate starting quarterback battle. So how do you handle that, being able to get Josh Allen more work with guys that are higher up on the depth chart? Or do you not? Or do you just say, you know what, you're our three, at least for the foreseeable future at a minimum, and just keep having them playing with the threes and let Peterman and McCarron fight it out? I think you'll see some... uh some twos, you know, play into the second half um, in week two and week three, and that will get him at least some reps with them. And then I think in in the fourth game, I think that's a real opportunity to, uh, you know, to get him work with the twos. You know, he, he's I, I got to think he's going to see a lot of reps in, in the fourth preseason game. And while the starters, uh, you know, are often held out of those, you know, twos can play for a good uh, uh, a good stretch of time. So it, it is going to be intriguing to watch. Um, I'm sure they have a plan for it. They talk about it constantly, and um, you know, and, and and hopefully he does well with them. I just think, you know, playing with the threes takes that pressure off, man. It takes that pressure off. Playing with the threes is what gives them the ability to say, you know what, this is all about you. This is not even about evaluating receivers, linemen, or anything anymore. When you got twos in there, man, you're still evaluating, you know, 
uh, premium roster spots. When you got threes in there, you got to dig deep and maybe find a fringe guy, you know, and that gives Allen the ability to just go out there and, 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 and freelance for the most part and just get his, get his feet wet. Look, you'll, I've said it before. You'll hear me say it a million times. I think this, this, this group of Bill's brass is the smartest we've ever had in either professional sport. Um, and I don't expect them to get this wrong. You know, it was also a good moment for the crowd. He had to feel good. It was a good moment when he came in the game to start the second half. You could hear the ovation from the crowd. That first throw, crowd was behind him. And it had to feel good, especially considering that this was a guy that a lot of people did not want in Buffalo. I mean, it was a very controversial pick. And I'm not talking about the tweets or anything. I'm just talking about a lot of people didn't think he's a very good quarterback. And they didn't want him here. To me, it was a good first sign that the fans gave him that kind of ovation. I don't know if that's going to really help him play any better, but don't you think that it had to make him feel pretty good to hear that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of reaction from the crowd when he came out? Yeah, man, they'll get behind him. All right, you know, the, the, he'll still have his detractors. Um, you certainly saw it on Twitter after the fourth down play. You know where he scrambled around and, um, you know, just looked like a football folly video or whatever. Um, you know, they, they came crawling out of the woodwork, uh, you know, the minute that play happened, you know, they didn't jump back when he fired an absolute dart over the middle, uh, you know, to McLeod, uh, about, uh, you know, 10 minutes later, but, um, they're going to be there. Um, I don't expect the, the bills fans that were against drafting him to, uh, you know, to carry that, um, you know, carry that along. They're just going to fall back into being fans. Dude, are we at like in the vicinity of some type of motorcycle club or something? Is the Amherst Ale House really some kind of front for a biker gang? This has got to be like the fourth motorcycle that's went by in the last five or 10 minutes. Either that or a really, really shitty sounding car. It's a, it's a pretty, it can be a fairly busy corner and, uh, it's a nice night for, uh, for biking, man. (laughs) But let's talk about a couple things other than quarterback. I kind of want to run down the list, and we won't spend a lot of time on some of these positions because, frankly, there wasn't a lot to see in some areas tonight. But one thing that stood out to me at running back, I really liked the way Marcus Murphy looked tonight. He was impressive. He looked like he got shot out of a cannon. And in my opinion, at least based on tonight, I think he clearly has put himself in that conversation for that number three running back. What did you see based on tonight? Same thing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I saw a, a change in in the uh, in a fifty. A lot of guys, fifty three man projection. He looked good, man. Um, you know, I think everybody felt like the number three running back. Which you know, oh, all right. You know, most of the time you look at it and you're like, well, number three running back's not worth talking about. But yo, know, I mean, you've got a guy who still could potentially be facing, uh, you know, discipline from the league, and at the very least, even if not that. Um, he's up there in age and, you know, he's certainly on the back half of his, uh, of his career. And so, so is the, Ivory. Yeah. yeah. So, so, is so, Ivory. so the number three running back position matters, um, on this roster. And I think everybody, uh, looked at it as a battle between, um, Taiwan Jones and, uh, and Traveris Cadet. I think the Bills really, really liked the way Cadet came back from, from injury. I mean, late last year, it may have even been the playoff game. I can't remember. Um, but he had a pretty nasty looking injury um and to even come back and 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 be battling the way he was i think um you know really endeared him to uh to the coaching staff but i don't think they can ignore or deny 
Marcus Murphy his place, um, you know, on, on this roster now, uh, the, way, the way he's played. We touched on him when it comes to wide receiver earlier in our segment. Calvin Benjamin looked really good tonight. I mean, granted, again, let's not get too high on a preseason opener, but the dude looked like a legit, healthy number one wide receiver tonight playing with Peterman. That chemistry that you talked about, it was definitely there between them two. Yeah, and I, I expect big things from from KB um, this year. I mean, it's a contract year. A lot of guys rise to the occasion uh, with that. He, he looks to be in pretty good shape, and we know that hasn't been the case in past years with him in Carolina. And, you know, the guy was able to – look, I, I'll tell you right now, and I'm not, I've never been accused of being the most mentally tough guy in the world, but, you know, a lot of people probably saw the exchange between him and Cam Newton at the beginning of the game, or at least what Cam Newton was looking to, to have a, a, as an exchange – and I don't know, man. I mean, that, 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 I don't know that it would have shook me necessarily, but it, it might have been in my head, you know, once, uh, you know, once the game started or something like that. And, boy, he just didn't let that happen, man. He just went out there, balled out. And I, I, think, I think he's going to do it all year. I, seriously, I don't listen to, to much uh, relative to fantasy football. Um, so I have no idea where he's going in drafts and things like that. But I guarantee you he is going to outperform his average draft position. The Bills are going to feed the shit out of Calvin Benjamin this year. Outside of Benjamin, didn't see a lot from the other receivers. I felt like it was a good opportunity with uh, Zay Jones not playing and Coleman not playing, just coming over in the deal from Cleveland. I thought it might be a good night for someone to really step up and kind of take the reins and put themselves squarely in that talk for the four or five receiver spot, but I didn't really see that much. So, I don't know, based on tonight, do you see any type of change in that wide receiver pecking order? No, that's, uh, you know, especially with uh, with Zay and uh, and Coleman, um, you know, sitting this one out, quite possibly that's two of your, you know, your top four sitting it out, and I don't think anybody in, you know, what would otherwise be the five or six um, you know, really asserted themselves one way or another. Now, the people that love Riley, and there's a lot of them out there, and I get that, you know, they'll point to the 59-yard pass. But that was, you know, there, there was a lot of play design in that. Um, you know, Riley also had a drop, uh, you know, before that. Um, so, no, the, the receiving uh, competition is, is to be continued. Absolutely no movement on that front tonight. Yeah, and I don't, ditto for tight end. I don't think anything really changed. Kroom had a nice catch. Uh, that Kerry Lee kid had a nice catch as well. I don't see anything changing with tight end. I don't see anything changing there either, but I think what has happened in the past couple weeks at tight end is things have gotten a lot closer behind Charles Clay than it has been in the past. O'Leary was dinged. It gave some reps to guys like uh, Kroom uh, and Logan Thomas um, and... There seems to be a competition now for two and three that I think, you know, up until recently, um, you know, the competition did not exist for two. The competition was strictly for three. Um, and I think, it's, I, I think it's a more wide open competition behind Charles Clay right now. So while no one necessarily asserted themselves there, um, you know, so the, the pack is closing in on Nick O'Leary. Uh, speaking on the offensive line front, Eh, 
kind of the same thing. I didn't see anything really stand out. Maybe you did. Exeter is one. I saw Wyatt Teller struggle out there a little bit. That's a guy I've been very high on from the time he got drafted. In fact, I made kind of a bold prediction not long ago that this kid is going to end up starting. But if he is, he's got a long way to go because he played with the twos in the kind of like a two, three hybrid line, whatever you want to call that. He played late into the game. He gave up a sack and uh, he struggled tonight. Anything stick out to you on the offensive line? Anything catch your eye, good or bad? No, uh, a lot of passes. Um, a lot of quick passes. Yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah, excellent. In Point the first right half, there, in the first half, I should say. Not when Josh Allen was back there. Yeah, There's nothing you know. quick about that. Um, a lot of quick passes, a lot of rhythm. Um, you know, tends to make the O-line uh, look pretty good. Not a lot of, uh, of running the football to really, um, you know, to really judge it on. Um, you know, the twos, it, it, it Looks like there's some holes with with the twos, um, where some threes could uh, you know could jump into that fray, but um, that's a film study thing, man. Not a uh, not a podcast ten minutes after the ball game. Yeah, kind of exactly. I couldn't agree more. I don't think you really could spend a lot of time talking about how an offensive line playing unless you see the game film. Now on the defensive line, something that did stick out to me big time was Harrison Phillips getting the start in place of Kyle Williams at that three technique over Adolphus Washington, who is listed on the official team's depth chart ahead of him, or or is Kyle Williams' backup on the depth chart. So the fact that Harrison Phillips is already literally playing Kyle Williams' position when he's not out there, is that something that's significant to you? Because everything I had read and was told from the time the kid got drafted until now, he was not playing that three technique that Kyle plays. Um, There... There was some ro- rotation uh, where he saw the the three technique a little bit um, just this past week, but you know to to the to the bigger to you know to to the bigger point there, um, I think he's going to be your number three defensive tackle. Okay, whether or not um, you know that was a uh, you know a, a hardcore depth chart kind of. Uh, kind of decision tonight to you know to start him in in Kyle's absence or whether it was just a um, you know a, a a bone for the kid who has done absolutely everything that's been asked of him. We saw that uh, you know that video of him coming out for the uh, you know for the open practice and how he soaked it all in. Um, I, I think he's becoming a uh, a favorite of the fans, a favorite of the coaching staff. And, um, you know, and, and I think he's going to be the three. I, I, don't, I, I think Adolphus Washington is going to end up on the roster bubble. And, you know, tonight was just was just the beginning of that. What I, what I do want to find out is why he has that massive thing on his arm. All right. And why he was playing with it. If that is a preventative injury thing or something happened, I don't, I don't know anything about it, but he's got this this huge brace on his arm. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Why, why are why are you putting this kid out there? I, you know, it might just be one of those things where the kids like, I just have to play in this game, and and the coaches, you know, would let themselves be talked into it or whatever. But he is, you know, he's a major future asset, okay? And he's already starting to look like a current asset, man, dude. Don't don't. Uh, subject him to anything long term, whatever that arm might be. Yeah, he played well tonight. He had a sack. He might have been the best player on that line actually tonight. Another guy in the line, Shaq Lawson. He's much maligned, and I know all eyes are on him. A lot of people say that if he doesn't have a good 
preseason that he might end up getting cut or you're trying to get traded somewhere anywhere. I thought he looked all right tonight. I don't know if he helped his stock much, but I don't certainly don't think he hurt it any tonight. Did he stand out to you at all? What did you think? Yeah, I like the plays he made. I thought he showed some athleticism on the tip pass, and most importantly, I think he's you know starting to matter a little bit more because we've got a guy coming off a season long injury who just injured something else. You know, I mean, I'm excited about Trent Murphy. Don't get me wrong, and maybe it's just a little bit of bad luck, but you know, you come off. Uh, a season-long injury, and you know, then the little ones, then the nagging ones, start to creep in. You know, I don't know if it was a knee or an Achilles last year with Murphy, but um, I know it wasn't a groin, which is what it is now. But that's the sort of shit that happens, all right, when you when you suffer a big injury like that. So, um, if if there are reservations right now with uh, with Murphy and 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 the outlook, you know, for him staying healthy for sixteen. Then I don't need Shaq to uh, you know to step up so that I can maybe you know trade him, which is kind of how I was looking at it before. Now I might need contributions from him, significant ones. Might not have made a difference in the big picture, but you know what? Let's take things game by game. I thought Mike Love made a little name for himself tonight. He made a couple. He had a sack out there. He made a couple nice plays. Maybe he put himself in the mix for a roster position at defensive end. What about the linebackers? I don't really got much to say about them. The one thing I think we noticed together is that it seemed like Milano and Edmonds got some extra snaps together in the second quarter when most of the starters were out at that time. You think that's just simply a case that McDermott wants these guys to get as used to each other as possible at this point? Absolutely. Two still very young players. Milano, despite um, you know uh, seeing the field you know, for a, a fair number of snaps last year, Still a young player, still has a lot to uh, to grow into, and the two of them growing together, it's going to go a long way towards towards this uh, this linebacking group um, in the future. You know, you noticed uh, Alexander was gone after one series, replaced by um, I think Deion Lacy or whatever, and and then Edmonds and and Milano stayed together into the second quarter. I expect to see plenty more of that. They they didn't do anything that that stood out. I I, I thought. Uh, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm missing someone else, uh, someone else on that defense with uh, with the same length dreads. Uh, I'm pretty sure Edmonds had a uh, a missed tackle on a screen to McCaffrey early. He was flying around uh, a little too much, a little bit of over pursuit. Um, that's the only negative thing I, I noticed. Um, nothing to the positive, but that doesn't mean that he played poorly. Let's touch on the defensive backs real quick. One guy we really liked, Raphael Butch. One guy, Teron Johnson, rookie, struggled a lot. Tale of two different players tonight. I'll let you have this. What did you think of them two tonight? You know, I I, I was worried about Johnson early uh, on a missed tackle. Then he diagnosed um, like a uh, – it wasn't a slip screen. It, it, it might have been a wide receiver screen um, or or a play where, you know, a tight end uh, crossed and he, and he flew to the ball. And anyways, he, he had a real good – um, uh, diagnosis of a play and tackle uh, shortly after uh, a, a couple early misses, and I thought he turned the corner, and then it really went to hell uh, in in the fourth for um, Teron Johnson. You know, you just get him, you just get him as much reps as he can, and 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 uh, he should find his way. But I hope it's Gaines um, Manning the nickel to start the season. Um, Bush made an incredible play coming down. 
Uh, that actually might be the play I'm thinking about where I was just referring to Johnson. Um, he diagnosed a, a, a play in the flat, and he just exploded to the football from his safety position. So, you know, if, if the Bills are, are planning on some, some big nickel um, this year, they might be better suited for some some big nickel um, or, you know, the, the third safety, the big safety, than they are the nickelback because Bush seems like a real asset on the field. And right now, you know, the first nickelback in seems like just a, um, you know, a replacement level player, whether it be Johnson or Gaines. Based on your instant reaction after watching the game, who's your MVP for tonight? Oh, man. Um, look, I, I, I'm the first name that came to mind was, was Marcus Murphy. He was exceptional, but I'm going to go with Nate. I am going to go with Nate Peterman. Um, yeah, of course I am. And you know what? Here, here's something else. McDermott was catching a lot of shit leading up to this game. Why wouldn't you announce who your quarterback is? What's the big deal? You know what I mean? One hour before this game, people found out that it was going to be Nate Peterman and there was a shit storm on, on Twitter one hour before the game and people were bitching about it. If he gave the heads up yesterday or even earlier in the day today, it would have been a shit storm for 24 hours or however long it was. And, and, you know, they didn't want that for the kid. They didn't want that for the kid. They were going to name him, you know, the starter about an hour before the game, let him go out, do his play, let his play, do the talking and shut some people up. And, um, and I think he did that. And, and if ever there was some pressure, all right, in your home stadium for a bunch of fans that think you're a flat-out chump, okay, if ever there was some preseason pressure, it was tonight for him. He stood up to it. He'll be your starter opening day. How long before the game or when do you think Nate Peterman knew he was starting? Do you think he only found out an hour before the game? Do you think he found out earlier today? Do you think he knew yesterday? When do you think Nate Peterman was told by Sean McDermott that he'd be starting tonight? Probably last night. Um, I, I think the uh, I think the game day routine, um, you know, I think McDermott's the kind of guy who wants a guy to go into the day of the game itself knowing just in terms of preparation. So, you know, my guess is uh, my guess is last night and, and, you know, there may have even been an element of, um, you know, let me let me see if let me see if I can pull off keeping this. Uh, under wraps until six o'clock the day, the day of, you know, there aren't a lot of leaks. Yo, man. All right. It used to be a sieve at one bills drive. Okay. I mean, if Birchold wasn't telling people Brandon was all right, it was a sieve over there. You don't hear shit coming out of there no more. I, I completely agree. Do you think that this could potentially become a situation? Like, let's say McCarron starts next week, and let's say he plays well. Let's just say they both play equally well or equally bad for the rest of the preseason, whichever way you want to go with it. Do you think this could potentially be a situation when they open up against Baltimore that we don't find out who the starter is going to be until maybe the day before, if not even maybe hours before the game opening week? Or do you think McDermott's going to put an end to the to any controversy or any, I don't want to say controversy, but any mystery on who's going to be the starter enough in advance before the season actually starts and the bullets count for real. I think when the Bills start practicing, let's the last preseason game comes on a Thursday. Um, and then they, they, I think they practice again on Friday, have the weekend off, and then you know Monday starts an actual practice week leading into the game. Uh, I don't believe that um, 
that they start that uh, preparations for Baltimore without knowing who the quarterback is. I think it comes very, very shortly after um, after the fourth preseason game, and I think a lot of people, uh, you know, I think the starter in preseason game number three is is going to be um, should be a, a heavy betting favorite. Let's go to the other side now. Who do you think was tonight's LVP? Who was, who was the least valuable player? Who hurt themselves the most tonight? If anyone really hurt themselves. Oh, man. I mean, I don't mean to pile on to the kid. Not that it'll really, you know, get back to him or anything. Um, but it's for me, it's got to be Taron Johnson. He, he got an opportunity to play with the... Uh, uh, with the ones as the nickelback on the ones. Um, and I think he got those reps exclusively. If I'm not mistaken, you know, Gaines went in as the wide, uh, as the wide corner um, with the second team. So, you know, Johnson was given every opportunity to shine tonight, and uh, it didn't happen. And it's a lot of pressure, man. He's only a fourth, okay? Nickelbacks play a lot of freaking snaps in this league, and he is just – you know, and to to be to be penciled in, all right, as a fourth round pick is asking an awful lot. Um, there are probably other ones out there that we could point to, maybe uh, some wittier ones, uh, you know, than uh, th- th- than Johnson. Um, but you know, he made some. Uh, you know, he got beat on some plays that uh, that certainly just shined a negative light tonight. One more Bills thing at halftime. We were getting ready to go, you know, do whatever it is besides watch the television. But then we saw that clip of Sean McDermott addressing the team. And I just thought that shit was money, man. Dude, Sean McDermott might be the star of this organization. You know, kind of like in New England, you have Tom Brady, of course. But after that, it's Bill Belichick. And some people might even consider him the star over Brady on that team. It feels like that to me in Buffalo now, where Sean McDermott, as much or maybe even more than any player in this organization is a star, and not like a Rex Ryan shit-talking media star, just like the man on this team. You could see the difference in that room, and you talked about this organization being smarter than anyone you've seen, but you could see it just in that little clip at halftime that he has that room's attention every single time he opens his mouth. The, the man has simply crafted his trade as well as you could possibly ask a person to do. He is just exhaustively prepared, and that does not stop at preparing game plans or training camps or anything like that. This man prepared himself for this career as a speaker, all right, as an X's and O's strategist, as a leader. I mean, every element of the position the guy is... Is, has, has shined at, and I don't know who it was earlier this week, um, but somebody alluded to no matter whether they were high on the Bills this year or not, every national person that left Bills camp left with one unanimous uh, 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 view, and that was that McDermott is a star. And I, I, and I just, you know... Um, you're not going to get any arguments out of me. I've had terrible, terrible takes all right, through the years. But I saw something 
in him early. A lot of people were like, you know, this is way too much power. He's never even been a head coach. Whaley's a lame duck GM. You know, um, people were extremely critical of the amount of power that was that was given to McDermott early on. Uh, and for me, man, I, I just got the sense that he was up to it, and he's been up to it and more. I have a belief in him that's strong enough right now at this point that I'm willing to overlook holes on this roster. Like, I think the wide receiving position is still not a strength. I think the offensive line, and I've told you this a million times, I think it's a disaster. I'm still not sold on any quarterback by any means. My point is this. I'm willing to look through a lot of weaknesses on this team because I believe in this coach so much that when I hear these national guys say the Bills are going to be 2-14 and 14 or 3-13 and 13 because they look at the talent on the roster, I'm like, nah, man. Worst case, even if they are building for the future and they put Josh Allen in if he's not ready for a reason going into the future, or whatever they do, I feel like this team is going to win six, seven games this year just because of who their coach is. Now, if you had a lesser coach in this roster, yeah, this is a 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 roster, in my opinion, right now anyway. But McDermott is going to win a lot of games because of his preparation and the way he coaches this team. And it's just such a refreshing break. And I'm sure you feel the same way compared to some of these coaches that have been there pretty much since Marv Levy or at least Wade Phillips have been gone. You know what I'm saying? I believe in the coach to a point that I'm willing to give the Bills two to three more wins than this roster indicates just because of who the head coach is right now. Well, I, I mean, you could point to last year as, as an example of it. All right, the, the, the analytics did not, um, you know, show well. They, they talk about it's a team that, you know, that should have been 6-10, and 10, um, you know, based upon where, where they fell in certain key categories. And, uh, you know, most people who believe in the numbers think that when that happens and, you know, you outperform it, it's, it's, uh, it's more luck than anything else. Um, I've got some belief in the numbers, but I also believe in, in, in coaching, I, I, and I think, I think McDermott had a lot to do with it, preparation-wise, things like that. They call turnovers lucky. Yo, man, every freaking time this team goes into a pile, all right, they're punching at the ball. Shit, Poyer did it to, uh, you know, in, in limited action today. They, they punch at the ball. They create it. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's, a good, he's a good football coach, man. All right, well, you know what? Enough football talk. Here's the big question. We came here tonight to Amherst Ale House to podcast and also to eat some wings. That's what we did. We got a double order wings. We got Crown Royal Barbecue, and we got Cajun Media mixed together. Totally unbiased opinion here. We both said that we are not going to automatically give this place a good score and a good review because they hosted us tonight. So we're being unbiased here. What did you think? How were the wings? I thought they were terrific, man. Uh, now, now, mind you, all right, we, we did not mix the wings together in terms of the, you know, the, the, the sauces or anything like that. We got, we got 10 of each. Right. All right we got That's what I each. meant. Yep. All right. Um, I thought the bar, now you uh, had said, and, and, and I, I won't uh, steal your thunder here, but you had said, that you had a hard time deciding between the two. Um, I had a a pretty clear favorite, and it's not because I didn't like the Cajuns. I just thought the barbecues just killed it, man. I thought it was a really, really good 
um, you know, uh, barbecue sauce with the you know the right amount of uh, uh, of time on the uh, time on the grill. Um, we had them sauced back up for us because you know that's how you like them. I probably wouldn't have sauced them back up, um, but you know they they were strong, man, strong. This was honestly probably the first place I've been to during this chicken wing tour. Where when I got more than one order, I didn't decisively like one more than the other. Usually I go somewhere if I try, if I go with a buddy and I get 20 wings, I try two different kinds and I really like one and not so much the other. But this place, it was. It was hard to decide. And I'll tell you what, you know this, I've been on many stops during this chicken wing tour. You can see it in my body as you're trying to take pictures of me and post it on (laughs) Facebook uh, that I immediately made you delete. Selfies, Yo, man, self- those, those got to come down right Dude, now. Dude, they got to. They, I can't be having those pictures on Facebook. Are you fucking kidding me right now? But anyway, oh. my point was this, man. You know I've been to a lot of places since I've been back. This easily is a top 10, top 10 place to have chicken wings. I kind of liken it. Maybe not quite as good as Autobahn North, who I had a couple days ago. I just can't get enough of that place. But you know what? I really liked them here. I like everything about this place. It's a really nice inside sports bar. And I mean, it's a legitimate looking sports bar. There's a lot of bars out there that are just old and they slap some TVs on and a couple decorations and memorabilia and call himself a sports bar. This is a legit sports bar. You had a slice of pizza. I didn't. So I can't tell you if the pizza was any good, but I really like the wings. I like the environment here. I like the atmosphere. I like everything about this place. So this place is going on the top 10 and I wish more people would stop would start, I should say, coming to places like this and Ebenezer Ale House and Audubon North and Hammerson, places like that, instead of the same old places all the time, get out there and try some different things. This was great. I, I had a blast, man. Thanks to them very much for, for having us. And um, I, just one thing that just stands out at me, what do you ever use the wet wipes that are provided for you to wipe your hands at the end of the chicken wings? I've never seen anybody not use the wet wipe. Like, my eyes light up like Christmas fucking morning when I see wet wipes put in front of me for the end of, of They're They're an wings. almost useless accessory because using a wet wipe is not going to make you not have to go into the bathroom and wash your hands. You eat chicken wings, you got to go wash your hands. Is using a wet wipe going to make you not need to wash your hands? After having sticky... Crown Royal barbecue chicken wings, you're not going to need to go in the bathroom and wash your hands because you have one little tiny-ass wet wipe? Not if I'm licking my fingers after each one and then wiping that on the napkin. Then the, wipe, then the wet wipe does, does the job. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks, Tone Fox. Dude, you know what? This was a good time. Something different for sure. Thanks to Amherst Alehouse for being an awesome host. Come check this place out if you haven't already. 55 Cross Point Parkway in Amherst. Good spot here, man. Great vibe. Coming up on the show next Tuesday, I will be back. And I'll be joined by one of the best known and respected national football writers in the business. Greg Bedard will be my guest. Looking forward to that. If you haven't done so already, don't be stupid. Go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. You hit one little subscribe button and then bam. New episodes are sent automatically to your phone or laptop. If you don't have iTunes or Apple, you can watch us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are heard. I don't think these guys listening (laughs) consider this a future award-winning podcast. (laughs) Let's just put that right out there. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pamaran Tweets. Talk to you guys again on next Tuesday. Yo, Fox. 
You got anyone you want to give a shout out to? No. 